Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Please help me welcome on TJ Malkanji. I probably said your last name wrong. What is up, bro? How's it going tonight? Gone. I was, I've been looking forward to this since you asked me to come. Back. Okay, say that one more time because I had you muted on accident. Say that one more time. No problem. Thank you. It's a great honor to be here tonight. I'm really excited for tonight. It, every time we come on, there's always something major that happens. So I'm really looking forward to what God's going to do. Hey Amen, bro. I'm super excited to have you on. And I'm just telling you, I know you had a broadcast today, so you've been already preaching today. I just had a broadcast with John Ramirez about an hour ago. So the fire of God is already burning. The fire of God is already moving. And I just want to prophesy over those of you watching in the chat that maybe feel dormant, that maybe feel dead, that maybe feel like the fire's dying out or the spark is gone. I really believe, bro, that during this broadcast, God is going to reignite some passion. God is going to reignite desire. God is going to reignite supernatural hunger. That some of you that have never walked in the super- supernatural not the natural the supernatural gifts of the holy spirit are going to walk in the supernatural gifts of the holy spirit you know the world right now is fascinated with superpowers every movie we see out right now all the top sellers is all superheroes 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 supernatural ability supernatural power and one translation i love in the first corinthians is that we have supernatural abilities so it doesn't talk about the gifts it talks about the supernatural abilities and the gifts of the holy spirit are supernatural abilities so you got to realize guys the reason why people are obsessed with power and supernatural power and all these um superheroes is because intrinsically there's a desire in us for the supernatural intrinsically we are created to be power assisted and the devil has perverted the power he's perverted the supernatural but we are here to tell you tonight that every human being that's a believer is called to be power assisted acts chapter 1 verse 8 says you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you so you don't just go to church on sunday when the holy spirit comes upon you you don't just pray the sinner's prayer when the holy spirit comes upon you you get something when the holy ghost comes upon you and that is power and so tonight we're talking about and let me just set the stage here bro is the power of god and when we say power we're talking supernatural so this is not like discernment in the natural this is not like ability to speak well this is not like good looks or like smooth talk or being good with people these are supernatural abilities the bible says in first corinthians 4 20 the kingdom of god is not about talk but about power and demonstration so don't let all these youtube preachers tell you oh god doesn't really care if you walk in power and the gifts are not for today which we'll talk about here in a minute and it's not that big of a deal friend you are called to be power assisted so we need the power of god we need the supernatural abilities in our life so these are absolutely bro supernatural abilities and powers that god is releasing tonight and god wants us all to walk in that's right there's absolutely nothing normal about christianity come on everything about the bible from genesis to revelation has a supernatural aspect to it you think of it the birth of jesus supernatural the life and ministry of jesus supernatural the book of acts supernatural if you were to go through the bible and strip out every miracle every sign every wonder every supernatural thing that's done you're not left with much you're left with a few good teaching and stuff and we're not a i love the teachings of christ i i i live off the teachings of christ but i don't just want to be christ 
Christ-like in character. I want to be Christ-like in power. Come on. People ask all the time, you know, what's more important, the fruit of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit? It's like saying, what's more important, eating or breathing? Come on. One, one you know, you go without one, you're going to find out real soon, you're going to need it. You need both, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. They're both of the Spirit. Paul said it this way, in mighty signs and wonders, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament in Isaiah 8.18, the Bible says, I and the children whom the Lord have given us, we are for signs and for wonders. You are to have a life that is constantly exemplifying signs and wonders and the supernatural. That's the distinguishing factor of Christianity. That's what separates Christianity from every other religion in this world. You you know, you you study the other religions. They don't claim to have miracles. They don't claim to have resurrections. They don't claim to have gods that answer prayers. They just claim to have gods that require discipline and obedience to them and just out of devotion. That's it. We serve a God who doesn't have eyes that he cannot see, neither does he have... Uh, neither does he have ears that he can't, he doesn't have ears that he cannot hear. He's a God who is alive. And the good news is he's not just alive up there. Paul said, it's no longer I who lives. Christ lives in me. If Christ lives in me, then the world ought to know it. Isaiah said it in Acts 1.8, if you receive the Holy Ghost, you have received dynamite. You have received power from above to do the works of Christ. You know, the beauty about Jesus is he showed his disciples what a life yielded to the power of the Spirit is to look like. Do you know that Jesus never did miracles just because he was the Son of God? Do you know that Jesus did miracles empowered by the Holy Spirit? Before his baptism, he never did one miracle. He didn't do one sign. After he was baptized and the heavens split open and the Spirit of God descended upon him, and lighted upon him that when he went to fast and pray, he returned in the spa- the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and then great fame spread of his name. Jesus then, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, began to heal every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. And John 2.23 says, and many believed on him when they saw the miracles that he did perform. Many followed him when they saw the wonderful works that he was doing. And the good news is that Jesus didn't say, now that you've seen me do this, don't think you're going to go out and do the same things. Now that you've seen me, I'm the son of God, and that's why I've done all these things. You're just regular Joe Blows. You guys aren't, you're not worthy to operate like this. He didn't say that. John 14, 12, he said the complete opposite. I'm now going to the Father, but if you'll believe in me, these works that you have seen me do, every miracle, every sign, every supernatural work Jesus did was actually a manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When he worked a miracle, that was the working of miracles. When he laid hands on the sick, that was the gifts of healing. When he spoke to the to the fig tree for it to die, that was the gift of faith. He operated by these the manifestation of these gifts. And Jesus said, the very works that you have seen me do, oh, hallelujah. Not, you don't ever try and do that, or I'll rebuke you. No, you will do them. And grow. 
works. Could you imagine that? Greater works shall you do because I'm going to the Father. You know, before Jesus was about to leave the earth, he started to tell people, I'm about to go. They got sorrowful. They, they were saying, what do you mean you're leaving? We just started this thing out. Uh, you know, the last three and a half years have been phenomenal. We've, we're actually starting to gain some real traction uh, and, and like national influence. What do you mean you're leaving now? Do you know what Jesus said? It is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go, there's only one Jesus on the earth operating this power. But if I do go, I'm going to send the same spirit that's alive and well in me, that empowers me to cast out demons, that empowers me to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to work miracles such as never been seen before, recovery of sight to the blind, recovery of hearing for the deaf, to let the lame run and the paralyzed walk. That same power is going to come alive in you. And the greater works... You're going to see. That's what this broadcast is designed for right now. Isaiah does a wonderful job of empowering people, and tonight's going to be no different. We are, we, this broadcast is designed to infuse the, the Holy Ghost, raw, primitive Christianity power through you. See, the Holy Ghost isn't given to you just so you can have the hair stand up on the back of your neck. The Holy, the Holy Ghost is given to you for a purpose. The anointing never came on people to just have them shake and dance. That's all wonderful. But the anointing comes on people for a purpose. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for He's anointed me to do, to preach the gospel. Many of you are going to be called into the ministry from this broadcast. Many of you, you check in 9 to 5 and you've develop this mundane cycle of just working and you don't even know why you're going to work anymore and there's this utter like depravity in your heart you're a christian you're going to heaven but you know there's something more that god has for you that's the call to ministry and many of you are going to be called into the ministry tonight many of you aren't going to go into a ministry of word only like isaiah said but in word and in power as the holy ghost empowers you tonight i really believe that so good. And I was thinking while you're saying that many people are going to get activated in the gifts and they're going to say this week, what is this going on in my life? What is this happening to me? Friend, those are the manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to show you some stuff tonight that are going to change the way you think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Here's one thing that I don't understand. How do we as pastors preach for 52 weeks out of the year? 52 times most pastors will preach if they preach every week and they never mention the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you why preachers don't talk about it because they don't walk in them. I'm going to tell you why preachers, I've heard the videos over and over on YouTube. The, the census of the Christian YouTube community is, are the gifts of the Spirit real? Yeah, but they're not really for everybody and we can't all have them and God will give you one gift. I'm going to show you in scripture that's not true and God will give you one gift but you don't really need to and this is what they say if God wants you to have the gifts then God will give you them. So this is what pe preachers say they preach against tongues TJ they preach against miracles they preach against deliverance they preach against words of knowledge words of wisdom and then they say after they preach against it come on y'all can I get some ones in the chat if I'm preaching truth then they say but if God wanted me to speak in tongues, I'm open to it. After you just spent an hour preaching against it. But if God wanted to heal the sick, we believe in it, but we don't really do it. If you don't do it, you don't believe in it. So stop sitting around. And this is the problem. We, we create Christians in America 
that wait for the gifts to fall in their lap. And let me tell you this, according to scripture, there is no biblical foundation for if God wants to give you gifts, he will. There's no biblical foundation for the gifts of God are going to fall in your lap. But here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy. So here's what I want to show you guys. Nobody's disputing love. Like there's no Christian YouTuber saying, I don't really know if we should love people. Like uh, we just, maybe we shouldn't. But yet there's so many people in the same verse. He says, love, of course, that's our highest goal, but also you should desire, one translation says pursue spiritual gifts, but you should desire the special ability, speaking of the gifts of the spirit, I just like the translation. That's the New Living Translation, by the way. And uh, the special abilities the spirit gives, and people want to always argue about it. But I want you to ask yourself this. When you're listening to all these preachers that argue about it and preach a gospel of unbelief is what I call it, and I know it sounds harsh, it is what it is, is do they walk in the gifts? Do they function in the gifts? Because if they don't, then you're listening to a person that works at Starbucks try to teach you how to fly a plane. It's like you're in a whole different field. So we have to stop listening and letting pastors and preachers shape our theology that do not believe in walking out the gifts of the Spirit. Now, me and TJ, uh, a couple months ago, we talked about have the gifts cease? And the answer is no, they haven't ceased. There's no scripture. There's no reference to the gifts of God ceasing. The only reference we find is when we're before God in heaven and that which is perfect has come and Jesus has returned and we're all in the new Jerusalem. There's no need for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't argue that. But right now, is there still sick people? Are there still demonized people? Are there still things in our life where we need faith? Are there still things that we need to interpret tongues for? Are there still areas of breakdown and sickness and depravity and disease? Then we need the gifts still. So the gifts have not seized with the disciples because they didn't start with the disciples. So the disciples can't end something that they didn't start. The gifts of the Spirit started with the Holy Spirit. These are not our gifts. These are not the gifts of Isaiah's ministry, the gifts of TJ. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he says, you need to, here's what you need to do if you want them. Now, I know there's a lot of us in the chat, a lot of people here that say, I've never walked in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and praise the Lord. This will be the last night you ever say that in Jesus name. But here's the thing. Have you pursued the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible says here clearly to desire them and to pursue them. And you might say, well, how do I pursue the gifts? Well, how do you pursue anything? If you want a job, you go look at what are the requirements. Then you go get an interview. Then you study for the job. Then you get a degree the, and you do all these things. Some people spend eight years to 12 years going and studying a job because they want that job. They desire that job. They're pursuing. Come on, chat. Don't get quiet on me tonight. They're pursuing that job. And so the, here's the mind-blowing part, TJ. We spend five minutes pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the gift giver, and we expect these incredible results. But ask yourself, how long have you spent pursuing the supernatural gifts? I'm asking myself, I'm, I'm sweating because I'm convicted tonight. How long have you spent pursuing the gift giver? What time do you spend desiring, saying, Lord, I desire the gifts? Not so I could sit around watching Netflix, but so I can walk in your power to evangelize, to grow the ministry, to grow the kingdom of God. What happened when you wanted to get married to your wife or you liked your wife? You pursued her. So you were up all night on the phone with her. You bought her flowers. You took her out on dates and you pursued her because you desired her. So anything worth having, write this down chat because we're going at you strong tonight. Anything worth having is worth pursuing. So Paul says, listen, 
This is not for lazy Christians. This is not for lazy boy, kiddie pool, floaty Christians that want to live in ankle deep Christianity and just show up to church on Sunday and take up space. This is for those of you that say, I'm tired of being complacent. Come on, help me preach Holy Ghost. I'm tired of living my life through the status quo hamster wheel of American Christianity. I want to get serious. Type it in the chat about the call of God. I want to get serious about the will of God. I want to be serious about the mandate to preach the gospel because let me say this, and I know it's another bold statement. It's okay. You're on the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. You cannot do what God has called you to do without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do what God has fully called you to do. Now, can you still be saved? Of course you can. Can you still go to heaven and not function in the gifts? Of course you can, but you're missing out on all that God has. And Paul says, you'll barely escape the flames and enter before God. So I don't want to be a barely Christian. I want to walk in the supernatural power of God. These gifts are for the body of Christ to grow. These gifts are to expand the body of Christ. These are not toys. These are tools. So these gifts are not to make my ministry look better. Although these these gifts may grow your ministry. These gifts may grow you as a person, but they're not for the growth of your ministry. They're for the growth of the kingdom of God. And they're not toys. We don't play with them. We don't get people, give them their address, give them their social security number just for nothing. We get them for the sake of advancing the kingdom of God. So every gift that we're going to go over. And of course, this is not exhaustive because we're going over nine gifts in an hour here. But every gift we go over, I want you to remember, is not to bring glory to to us, but to bring glory to Jesus. Remember, what is the Holy Spirit's job? I've told you guys this over and over. It's to glorify Jesus. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and glorify me. So it's not to glorify you. So if the gifts glorify your ministry, lead people to you, you're using them as toys, not tools, and you're in dangerous water. So the gifts of the Spirit are tools, not toys. That's right. And you know, I love how you mentioned that there's a lot of pushback against these gifts. And the reason being is because the devil knows that if the church would actually begin to function by these gifts, his heyday's over. His field day is over. There's nothing he can do. He mocks a powerless church. There's nothing a powerless church can do to disarm the strong man. You know, Jesus said that the devil is a strong man who when he is fully armed and there's nobody stronger than he in the land, that his goods are in peace. He guards his palace. But when someone stronger than he comes in and the gifts of the spirit is the manifestation of the spirit through the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ manifests, you know, we, we read it all the time. First John, five, uh, four, first John 4, 4. Greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. Well, the Holy Spirit just in you, but not working through you, all he's going to do is benefit you. But when the Holy Ghost begins to flow through you, He's the stronger than the strong man that binds the strong man. And then that's when we can take regions over for the gospel. That's when we can take schools over for the gospel. That's when we can see national awakenings and revival. The devil is scared of a church that wakes up to these gifts and starts to not just hold them as relics in a museum. Oh, isn't it wonderful? There's the working of miracles. Look, the first step to receiving the gifts is to know what they are. And we're going to go through the gifts defined. But if all you do is know what the gifts are and you don't have, like he said, a desire 
a desire. You know, I'm going to read it in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. You, you, you quoted it briefly. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That word desire, I did a study on it. It's the Greek word for zelu. Zelu is where we get our word zealous. And if you study it in the Greek, it it's referring it's referring to a burning passion a strong unignorable passion something you can't put down it's a panting in your spirit it's a burning fervency to acquire these things these gifts don't just drop on you know standbyers and just idle people they're not rocking chair gifts or if you're just you know sitting at home doing nothing god's automatic you know just going to randomly drop them in your in your lap and like isaiah said you can't bash the gifts you, you know it's not like someone who's against gifts of uh against healing all of a sudden is operating in healing he's like i don't know why i'm operating in healing i just started randomly and uh i don't know we just started healing that doesn't it doesn't work that way understand this this is going to tick off some religious people but i'm going to say it anyways god doesn't listen to this god does not send revival sovereignly. God does not move sovereignly on the earth at will. God looks for people to flow through to accomplish his purpose. God, I mean, you look at in Acts chapter 10, God wants to get Cornelius' house saved. What does he do? He didn't just send an angel to get him saved. He sent an angel to summon Peter to come to Cornelius' house to preach and as he's preaching, the Holy Ghost fell as upon them at the day of Pentecost. And then there was a revival in Cornelius' home. So God didn't just sovereignly move on Cornelius' home. That's where people get it wrong. That's what it creates a generation of lazy Christians. Well, if God wants it done, it'll get done. Well, if God wants to heal them, he'll get, they'll get healed. If that's the case, why did Jesus say in Mark 16, his final words before he ascended on high, was go and preach the gospel to every creature. And then these signs are going to follow you as you believe in me. You will cast out demons. You will lay, not God's going to cast out demons for you. Not God's going to lay hands on the sick for you. God's going to use you to funnel his power into other people. And that's what the gifts of the spirit are. I have electricity in my home. My house is powered by Hydro Quebec, which is our local uh, power plant. Water, uh, hydroelectricity. Now, if all I had was electricity running through my walls, but I didn't have appliances, I didn't have a, an oven to actually cook with, great, I have electricity, but it's not useful. There's a lot of people that like, they'll come out and say, we need the fire. Oh, we need the power of the Holy Ghost. Great, I agree. But these gifts is how the Holy Ghost uses people to get to people, how the Holy Ghost uses people to reach other people. Understand this. If you don't touch other people, God can't touch them. If you don't reach people, God can't reach them. If you don't lay hands on people, God can't heal. God is wanting, desiring. He's searching the earth to and fro, looking for one who will say, Lord, I'm like Isaiah in 2021. Lord, use me. I you don't work apart from man, you work with man. When the devil has a plan for a generation, he anoints people to get his demonic plans done. When God has a plan for a generation, he anoints people to get his heavenly plans done. And these gifts, like I was saying before, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost, 
But if you don't have the appliances, that electricity isn't going to do you much. That's why we have ovens, a microwave, a fridge. Because as we plug the appliances in, we now have a usefulness for these things. When people are just like, they constantly go to revival meeting after revival meeting, they're like supercharged, but they don't know how to release that power. Man, if all you have is power within, you're not much good. It's in releasing the power of God by these gifts that impacts our generation. And so, so good. you have to see it that way. These are like, these are the way the spirit manifests. And remember, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, the manifestation of the spirit is given to the prophet of all. So when the Holy Spirit manifests, a reason why a lot of churches don't even want to go here, I was talking to you before about this. They say things like, well, you know, we've seen so many abuses of these gifts in other churches. Oh, we've seen people just exaggerate and we've seen the strange, the strange fire. And so we've just thrown, we don't want them manifest. There's some churches, they literally have a a sign at the beginning, at the front of their sanctuary that says no speaking in tongues and no laying hands on people i'm not kidding there there are churches that have that no speaking in tongues in this sanctuary and so because they've seen a few maybe they've seen a few knuckleheads who knows what their experience was but because they've seen a few strange things happen they've thrown the baby out with the back but the bathwater. i love what lester summer used to say he said that i'd rather have strange fire than icicles i'd rather have people that are at least showing somewhat of what these gifts uh, uh, how these gifts operate and then, then people that are totally ignoring it, totally looking the other way. Do you understand that it's an insult to the Holy Spirit? It grieves the Holy Spirit to be embarrassed of these gifts. It mm. grieves the Holy Spirit to be like uh, uh, like a like weird cousin that you have to bring over at Christmas reunions and stuff. That's how he feels in some churches. That he's just like one Sunday a year, we'll bring out Pentecost Sunday and talk about him. We'll talk about tongues there. We'll allow people to get a little, a little charismatic then and then the rest of it we're shutting that down and then they call that order let me tell you something what man calls orderly the holy ghost calls disorderly and what the holy ghost calls orderly man calls disorderly because if you study in acts chapter 2 could you imagine if we had some like theologians in acts chapter 2 documenting it oh they were all speaking at once in tongues we don't like that and there was fire that was manifesting on their on their heads uh that that god's not a god of chaos he's a god of order we we've determined that that's not not the Holy Spirit. The Bible says they were all together in one accord and there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and there was a mighty revival that took place in that upper room. There was, they, they looked like drunk people, the Bible says. Mm. These men are drunk. But Peter said these men are not drunk as you suppose. See, if you want this cute little tailor-made Christian religion where it's like plastic Jesus and everything's nice and you've adapted culturally, you've brought the the, the Bible able to adapt culturally to the to the the culture around you instead of doing the opposite you're not going to be interested in these things but if you start to say like paul said i'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel i'm not going to be ashamed of the manifestation of the holy spirit because i owe my generation a pentecostal experience man there's some preachers they speak in tongues privately but they won't talk about it publicly Mm. because it might offend some people that's like having a barn full of food and a starving family all around you and saying, well, I don't really want to, just in case it offends some people. I don't want to just operate in these. We're doing this broadcast because God is looking to raise up a generation of Holy Ghost terrorists that are endued with power from heaven 
equipped with the weapons of our warfare, which are these gifts, to put the devil on the run, give him two black eyes, and bring Jesus back into nations and into regions. And God's going to use you to do it. The Bible says in Ezekiel 22, 30, I sought for a man who would stand in the gap and rebuild the walls of righteousness, and I found none. But God, I believe, is going to find not just one or two. I believe there are thousands of people that are watching now and on the replay that when the eyes of the Lord run and see you, they're going to stay on you and say, that's a man who's hungry. We got to be like David. Lord, my heart panteth after thee as a deer panteth after the water creek. My soul thirsts for thee. I'm not interested in just religious rituals, just going to church and playing religion. I want to see a move of God in my generation. And not only do I want to see it, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said it like this. Waiting for a move of God, I am the move of God. You have to get to the point where you said, If nobody's gonna do it, Lord, anoint me and I will go. So good, so powerful, man. You are on fire now. You guys know what I'm saying about and what's one of my favorite preachers. So, I wanted to say this to you this is changing my life thinking about the gifts. When you guys think about the gifts, don't think of them as just a one time event that they stay on you all the time. So, what, what people think about TJ when they talk about the gifts of the spirit is I have the gift of prophecy, I don't have any other gift, and it's a gift that I was born with and I've always had it, and I can't have any other gifts. Don't think of it that way. Think of these as brief and dramatic manifestations of the spirit that come suddenly and end suddenly. So if you get a prophetic word, that word might last a minute or two and then the gift's gone or a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or discerning of spirits or interpretation of tongues. So don't limit God and say, well, I don't have that gift. I have this gift because the gifts are there for whatever situation you might need them in. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and verse 11 says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. But one and the same spirit gives all these things, distributing to each individual as he wills. So some people are getting these distinctive gifts, but understand that you have the Holy Spirit in you. He's the distributor of all the gifts. And at any point in time, the Holy Spirit could release a gift that you need. So gifts, I always like to think of them, and I say this, are like tools in a tool shed. Okay, God has given you tools to do the job he's called you to do. And when the master comes back, he's gonna say, did you build what I wanted you to build? And you're gonna say, well, I didn't have the right tools. He's gonna say, no. I gave you all the tools you needed. You just didn't use the tools. So when people say, well, I don't have that gift. I have this gift and you can't have all the gifts. Understand if these are tools in a tool shed, I don't need a rake, shovel, post hole digger, uh, whatever you can think of drill all at the same time, right? You don't use four gifts at once, but sometimes I need a shovel. Sometimes I need a power drill. Sometimes I need a rake. Sometimes I need a post hole digger. It depends on what I'm doing. I need a different gift. So I could take the tool, use the tool, and then I use another tool i'm not using all nine at once right like we don't use nine tools we're using one after the other when we need it so that's how i look at the gifts of the holy spirit and if you look at it that way you'll understand you're not limited by one gift if you need the gift of knowledge god can release that and manifest that because the same spirit individually distributes gifts as he wills so the holy spirit for instance sees you and goes oh man this guy needs a gift of faith release the gift of faith it's not a 24 hours a day 24 7 my whole life i have the gift of faith my whole life i'm prophesying over no the gifts turn on and turn off remember faith is a light switch it turns on the gifts it turns off the gifts and you don't have them 24 7 if you're discerning spirits you're not seeing spirits 24 7 but you might be doing deliverance and you might need to see what spirit it is and god will show you and now all of a sudden boom discerning of spirits is activated why because i needed it but let me say this what i've learned 
And I believe I function in at one time or another all nine gifts. I can on confidently say one time or another, not that I have all nine gifts, but I've functioned in all nine gifts of the spirit. And oftentimes when they activate for me, I'm just telling you guys personally, it's when I need them. Okay. So don't gifts don't activate while you're watching Netflix. They don't activate while you're scrolling on Instagram. Some of you are like, why well, don't I have any gifts? Well, it's like, you've never, you don't do anything for God. So you don't need the gifts if you don't do anything. But then when you step out and you're doing deliverance, you're praying for the sick, you're baptizing people. You're discipling. For instance, the gift of wisdom is a major gift when you're discipling people because it helps you tell people or give people guidance on choices they should make. So these gifts function in different times when you need them. So when I started realizing that, TJ, I was like, I always thought, well, I just have a gift of prophecy or whatever healing. And it's like, I can't have the other gifts because I only have one gift. When there's nowhere in the Bible that says you only get one gift forever and they're on you and it's you were born with that. None of that. It's the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And again, we already said this, the gifts are for service. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to, because we're already 30 minutes in and we haven't even named the first gift. We've broken these down. Me and TJ have put these into categories to help you understand them. We're going to go over all nine briefly. Again, not exhaustive. We have other videos on each gift and different things you you can search our channels, but we're going to put them. I've put them into, or we both put them into three categories. So the first category, TJ, I want to go over is supernatural insight. Okay. Supernatural insight. And that get, that would be the word of wisdom gift. Again, these are supernatural found in first Corinthians chapter 12, the word of wisdom gift, the word of knowledge gift, and the discerning of spirits gift. Those are the first three gifts we're going to talk about. Number one is the word of wisdom. Okay. This is the, not the wisdom of man. This is the wisdom of God. And what this is, and we're going to, we're going to make it very basic because we're not trying to get crazy deep to where you don't even understand what we're talking about. This is a basic way we're going to apply these. This is basically how would God respond in a situation? So when you think about the word of wisdom versus the word of knowledge, these are not opposing gifts. These are complementing gifts. Okay. So knowledge is information. Wisdom is how you apply that information. Knowledge gives you facts and wisdom shows you how to apply the facts. So this is a gift I pray for TJ every time I'm going to go live and do my call in show. So I say, Lord, I pray that you give me the gift of wisdom. Now, what that does is, and you know this, when people are calling in and you, I know you've had this same thing happen to you and someone asks me a question, they say, Isaiah, I'm going through this with my marriage, with my family, with my ministry. What should I do? Isaiah has no clue what you should do, but all of a sudden I'm speaking like I know it like, oh, you should do this. And then I'm giving verses. I'm giving strategy. And when I'm done, I'm like, that was incredible. I'm thinking that, right? I'm, I'm the one that said it, but I'm like, what was that? That was a word of wisdom be released. Remember Proverbs 5, 15, 2 says the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours pours forth foolishness. So this is a perfect example of knowledge and wisdom. Okay. So a wise person the Bible saying uses knowledge wisely. So knowledge is information. Wisdom is the application of information. So many of us in the church have knowledge, but no wisdom. Now, how do I know if I have knowledge, but no wisdom? I have all this information about what I should do, but I never do it. That means you have a lot of knowledge and you have no wisdom. And there's a lot of guys that preach a lot of knowledge and they say great stuff, but they never apply what they're preaching. So they don't have wisdom. So the gift of wisdom, it helps us bring God's perspective on situations. You can always also use this gift at work, at your job, at your school. Please remember guys, these gifts are also to help in your everyday life. Remember the Holy Spirit is a helper. So when you're using the word of wisdom, it can help you problem solve. And this is why I've seen it in the ministry and people's lives. It helps me give them supernatural wisdom. And it's probably, if you want to know, it's like, how do I know if I'm using the gift? If the answer you gave them, you're like, that was way better than I could ever come up with. That's how, you know, you use a word of wisdom. It's God's mind 
in a situation. Yeah, and there, I love that you said that. Um, I want to mention also that the word of wisdom and all the gifts, none of them are natural. It's good. None of them are like, it's not like the, word, the gift of the word of wisdom is like, oh, that guy's got a bit greater intellect than somebody else. Mm. And so I can never be used in the word of wisdom because I'm, not, I'm just not that smart. That's not how, I mean, you look at Smith Wigglesworth, he's a 48-year-old plumber who learned how to read at 26 years old, and he operated proficiently in all nine of these gifts. So God's not looking, you know, we, we've heard it before, 1 Corinthians 1, God didn't call the wise, he didn't call the noble, he didn't call the, the successful, he called the foolish, he called the, 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 the base, he called the... The, des the disreputes, he called the outcasts and the downcasts, mm. that he might show himself strong through them so that nobody can glory in his presence. So these are all supernatural gifts. Before, you know, the reason, before Howard Carter, I don't know if you've ever heard of Howard Carter, but he was um, the Assemblies of God in Britain, their, their founder, and, and, uh, and he, he had a, a college, a Bible college in, in Britain, I forget what it was called. But before his revelation on these gifts, for Hundreds and hundreds of years, the gift of wisdom, word of wisdom was he's smarter than other people. The gift of the word of knowledge was he's able to memorize wow. more than other people. The gift of, of healing, the gifts of healing was like he's, he's more inclined to become a physician or to care, to nurture, like a nurse or something. The gift of working of miracles was... Um, Everything had been stripped, the supernatural had been stripped of it. Discerning of spirits was just like pretty much the ability to criticize others. Like people, they really stripped the supernatural from these gifts. And as a result, you know, when, whatever you don't know uh, laid out from the Bible, wherever you're ignorant in the Bible, you are going disqualify to disqualify yourself from operating in those things. Mm. Any area of ignorance that you have in the entirety of the Bible, whether it be the gifts, whether it be healing, whether whatever, you've actually limited yourself from ever operating in those areas. That's why Paul starts off his letter uh, or starts off his dissertation on the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 by saying concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. It's good. And isn't it funny? The, that's the very first thing we go out and do is get ignorant on spiritual gifts, never study it. I mean, Paul, by the Spirit, goes a step further, not just by going into the gifts and then slowly, you know, getting out of them. He starts off by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts, don't be stupid. Don't be ignorant. Mm. I, Lester Sumner used to say, God can't bless uh, stupidity. God can't bless ignorance. God can only bless and he can only flow through people that have accurate knowledge and then in faith operate on that knowledge. So the word of wisdom uh, one of, I love what you said, that it's, it's the revelation of the purposes of God in any given mo moment. But I found also that the word of wisdom can be, since the, the wisdom of God has to do with not only the past and the present, but also the future. Mm. That a word of wisdom, that when it comes on somebody, it actually could also be a fragment of something that's going to take place wow, that's in good. the future. It's a revelation. Remember, the word of wisdom is the revelation of the divine purposes of God. That doesn't just have to do with the past and present. That also, uh, many of the Old Testament prophets operated in this word of wisdom when they were foretelling certain things. Noah, there's going to be a flood in a couple of, in a hundred years, so prepare an ark. That was the word of wisdom in that God was divulging his plan and his purpose 
for the next hundred years, what was to come. And so Noah, by the Spirit, had access to a fragment of the future in that given time, and it allowed him to be wise in his day and build an ark to the salvation of his household. The word of wisdom you can see in Daniel's day. He's foretelling the kingdoms that are going to come. God was literally giving him a fragment of the hidden wisdom of God. What's the hidden wisdom of God? 1 Corinthians 2 says it's the future, the hidden wisdom of God. If they had known that Christ was coming to be crucified, they would have never crucified our Lord and Savior. Paul says that was the hidden wisdom of God that was given through the prophets, but now has been made evident to us in this present time. So the word of wisdom can also deal with the revelation of God's future purposes Wow! Uh, relating to a person, an individual, a business. I mean, like he said, these, these, these gifts aren't just going to help you in spiritual things, although that is the main purpose of them, is to edify and build the kingdom. But, you know, it's very nice to be able to, in business and stuff, have these gifts operating in your life. See, people think the anointing is only for ministry. The anointing flows for anybody. We need anointing, anointed governors. We Come need on. anointed teachers. We need anointed businessmen. We need anointed businesswomen. We need anointed uh, landscapers and accountants and people in every sector of society so that we, you know, by the anointing, the Bible says it profits you so that when the world needs to get the best of the best, they can't go to other sinners and wicked people they have no choice but to come to people that belong to the church. And these so gifts good. will allow you to do that. Come on. So good. We should have had this like three weeks, bro, because we could go we could go so long in all these. These are all so good. The next one we're going to go into is the word of knowledge, okay? So the word of knowledge has to do with information you don't know about. God disclosing information you never know. These could be things like someone's address, someone's location, someone's name. I remember one time I've told this story before I was in a service and God told me the, there's the last four of someone's social security number. And I'm like, why would I say that? What's the point? And God said, say it. And I said it in public over the mic, a girl literally in the front row pops up, teenage girl has her social security uh, card in her wallet, which I'm like, you should never have. I always got taught you never carry your social security card around, but she had it in her purse, shows everybody the last four of her social security number. That night gets full of the Holy Spirit, had been praying for years for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God rocked her life to this day. She's serving God because that one encounter that she had. The point of it was, why would God show me that? He showed me it because he wanted to fill this girl with the Holy Spirit. And it was proof to her that God knew her, God acknowledged her. I remember another time in Arizona, the Lord showed me someone that lived on Cherry Lane. And I'm like, I said it publicly. It's on my Instagram from years ago. If you want to guys want to go search and find it. It was a guy sitting in the very, very back row, complete atheist. His friend brought him literally when I say last row, last row of a church that seats probably 1500 who lived on Cherry Lane. Now I was freaked out because I'm like, this is not God. Like I'm going to get this wrong. And literally, bro, there's three houses on Cherry Lane. And this guy lived on one of in those one of those houses his friend invited him to the meeting he literally said i was an atheist i didn't believe in god he was crying while we were praying for him this is all on video and on my instagram and god brought me stopped the meeting in the middle of service told me someone in here i want to touch that lives on cherry lane i walked to the back of the room this guy was an atheist and i told him face to face i said you will never be able to doubt god again god stopped a 1500 person service in the middle of my sermon to come talk to you. So that's a word of knowledge. I would have never known that girl's social security. I would have never known his street address, but God gave a word of knowledge 
so that he was able to touch the guy. So John 1:48, Jesus told Nathaniel, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So Jesus didn't see him in the natural. He got a revelation by the spirit. Um, John 4:15, Jesus had a word of knowledge for the woman at the well. Acts chapter five, Peter had a word of knowledge concerning Ananias and Sapphira not being truthful. They said, we didn't lie. And he said, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. How did Peter know they lied to the Holy Spirit? God gave Peter a word of knowledge. So word of knowledge is supernatural information you would have otherwise not known. And then one thing I want to say, and then I'll toss it to you with the word of knowledge, is usually, I, I wouldn't say this is 100% of the time for me, but God will give words of knowledge for sickness or pain in the body. And it's usually because God wants to act on that. God wants to heal that person. And the word of knowledge produces faith to produce the miracle. So you might say there's someone in this room that has this, or you're example, you're out in the mall praying for someone or you're out in the grocery store and you get a word of knowledge. As you're praying for the person, the Lord reveals to you maybe their husband's name, maybe an issue they're going through. And you say, are you going through this? And they say, how did you know that? And then God becomes real to them. And Paul talks about this, how sinners fall because we disclose their information. And then God reveals to you and then they end up getting saved or they get rocked or God touches them. I've also seen that happen, but I want to say this last thing, TJ, when I get words of knowledge, guys, you have to understand these words of knowledge are not like all of a sudden I hear a voice telling me it's an overwhelming feeling I have. That's how it works for me. For me, for you, it could be completely different. For me, sometimes I'll either get a pain in my body where their word of knowledge is or whatever they pain they have, or I'll get an overwhelming feeling, like whether it's a marriage issue, whether it's a sickness. And then I'm like, look, I got to step out and tell you, I, I feel like it's just me. And I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes I'm like, that's just my thought. But then God's like, no, it's a word of knowledge. Step out. So if you get random thoughts while praying for someone, that's not, you feel like, why would I think that? That's probably a word of knowledge. So don't doubt God. And then the worst thing you can do is think it's going to be like this loud shout from heaven. Because if you think that you're never going to get a word, recognize God is speaking because God doesn't usually speak in yelling. He usually is a still small voice in your mind so or in your head. So if you just hear a voice in your head real small while you're praying for someone, step out and listen. I'm going to give you all permission to mess up because when you're flowing in the gifts, you will make mistakes. And the worst thing that can happen is you say, hey, is this word of knowledge true? And they say, oh, no. Who cares? At least you stepped out. Listen, I would rather be sinking in the waves than sitting safe in the boat. Like just step out and walk on water and God will meet you. So um, you want to touch on that word of knowledge? Yeah, the word of knowledge is actually one of my favorite uh, because this one stimulates faith in people unlike yes. anything else because it shows people that God is intimately acquainted with all of their ways, that God knows the number of hairs on your head. This is like one, I find one of the greatest demonstrations of God's love and manifestations of God's love because it shows you that he's not just some distant far being somewhere in heaven that has no care or concern for you, that he knows what you're going through. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows your struggle. He knows exactly what you've been, what you've been through. And so, you know, Jesus gets to the woman at the well in John 4 and he starts to tell her you have five husbands and the one you're now with is not your husband and that you said truly what did she do I sir I perceive you're a prophet it it generated wow. faith in her to believe that that was the coming one that Jesus was the Messiah and then it turned her into an evangelist she went like a crazy evangelist back to her town and told everybody about Jesus because of that one nugget the word of knowledge deals with it's a fragment of knowledge that God gives. It's not something that you have received from the five senses. So it's not something you've heard. It's not something you can look at somebody and you, like you're reading people well. That's not what the word of knowledge is. It's not like you you know you smelt the person 
a cigarette on their mouth and you say, I, I believe that you're, you've been smoking cigarette. That's not the word of knowledge. That's, you're actually manipulating a gift and, and it's not good to do that. The word of knowledge is, some, is a piece of information that could not be received outside of God. Something mm. nobody knows. Elisha, in first Kings or Second Kings chapter five, he's telling the king of Israel the secrets of the king of Assyria that he's been discussing is in his own chambers amongst his generals and his commanders to the point where the king of Assyria gets ticked off and says, "Which one of you is a traitor?" He says, "None, my lord." There is a prophet in Israel that keeps telling the secrets that you speak of. That wow. was by the word of knowledge. Without Elisha wasn't like spying. He wasn't like eavesdropping. He didn't have like this massive telephone string cup that had it in his chambers connected to his ear, you know, a hundred yards away. He, he, by the word of knowledge, was able, and like Isaiah said, there's a knowing. There's a knowing. Very rarely is it like a, like a voice, an audible voice. There's a knowing. This is exactly what they're planning and they're plotting. Well, look at what that gift did for Israel. It spared them from a national crisis. This gift is so useful because it can spare you from so much troubles. And then, secondly, you know, I say this all the time. You can try and do, do something in the flesh for over 35, 40 years and accomplish wow. virtually nothing. Yep. But by the Spirit, in five minutes, you can accomplish more than what you endeavor to do in the flesh for a lifetime. The Spirit, by the word of knowledge, I, I was in a service once, and this lady, I preached on salvation, gave an altar call, and I knew there was a knowing. This one's not saved. Didn't know her from Adam. She was on my left side of my on the auditorium. I called her out and I said, lift your hands up, young lady. As I got near her, I had no, sometimes I just see like a highlight on people, certain mm. people. God like highlights them. They, they just, I can't escape their attention. They don't escape my attention. So I, I, I called her out as I'm like five feet from her. All of a sudden, like her life got downloaded into my spirit. I had, there was a knowing. You struggle with OCD. There's, you can't tell someone you struggle with OCD. It's not like you're, you, she has an IV uh, thing connected to her or she's walking around in a, wow. like, or she has a wheelchair. There's nothing outward that you can see on someone who, ca who has OCD. It, it's all inside. It's all on the inside. And so I walk up. You have OCD. You, you, you do this, this, and this every single day. You're taking this medication. And then she starts, never been to church, weeping under the power of God. He, and then you think it was hard for me to say after, do you want to accept Jesus now? Uh, immediately, remember, we opened up by saying, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, when I came to you, I didn't come in superiority of speech. I didn't come in persuasive speech or man's wisdom. I didn't try to articulate some, some nice fine sermon and address. I wasn't the prince of preachers, but something I did have convinced you that what I was speaking was true. And that was the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. And when I did that by the Spirit, it was easy after. That lady stayed in the faith. That lady not only got healed that night because it generated faith. If God, you know, if God's revealing that she has OCD, it's not so we're playing magic parlor tricks. It's, it's to release a healing in her body. She got healed, saved, and, and filled with the Spirit all in one night. If that hadn't happened, she would have left the same. She would have left so the same. Good. So this is an amazing gift.
Yeah, word of knowledge is amazing. Even in doing deliverance, oftentimes I don't usually will even ask the demon, what is your name? What is this? Because the Holy Spirit will give me a word of knowledge and say, this is the demonic spirit there, cast it out. And so I could just cast it out by name because the word of knowledge. So you guys got to realize the word of knowledge is a supernatural thing. You need to lean into it. Trust God. Paul said, if you reveal the secrets of, of sinners heart in the meeting, they'll know God's among you and fall to their knees in repentance. Right. So for those you're like, we shouldn't call things or say things. Understand what TJ just said is absolutely biblical. And Paul said, this is one way that the word of knowledge works when you get supernatural information that only God can know. Um, number three that we're going to talk about in this category is discerning of spirits. Okay. Now I have two videos that are over an hour on this exact topic, so I won't go long on this, but basically discerning of spirits is to help you detect the true spirit behind the acts and manifestations taking place. Right. So the four spirits you can detect or see what's happening with is demonic spirit, angelic spirit, Holy spirit, and human spirit. But biblically, those are the four spirits that we can recognize and we can distinguish. Now, the discerning or distinguishing of spirits is not discerning if a girl walks in with like short shorts and you say, oh, that's a Jezebel. That's natural discernment. Okay, that's obvious. We're talking about supernatural discernment. So discerning something in the supernatural realm. When it, when you talk about spiritual sight, spiritual smell, spiritual ear, hearing, which is all in the Bible, all these things are the discerning of spirits. So there's no gift of seeing in the spirit. There's no gift of hearing in the spirit. It's all discernment. It's all discerning in the spirit. And that's your five spiritual senses. Again, I have a, I've, we have long videos on this. We won't go into long, long detail here but this is all discerning of spirit um acts chapter 2 they discern the holy spirit as tongues of fire the bible says tongues as a fire what were they doing they were discerning that's how the holy spirit was showing up and that's how he manifested as pastors or leaders tj you know this when we're traveling we're called to discern things so if we're in a gathering and we say okay we're discerning the Holy Spirit's doing this. We need to move with the Holy Spirit. We need to move. If he's healing people, we need to start praying for healing. If he's doing deliverance, we need to start. So we're discerning not just demons and angels, but we're called to discern what is the Holy Spirit doing so that we can move with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've had times where the power of God's moving and the altar calls going, people are repenting, and the pastor will get up and say something completely off topic and ruin the entire thing and qu quench the Spirit, and then it's like the Holy Ghost is just quenched, right? That's because he wasn't discerning what God was doing. So I don't want to just focus on discerning angels or demons or human spirits. I want to also focus on discerning what is the Holy Spirit doing. Acts 5.3 they discern Ananias was being deceptive and lying. So he was able to discern that. Acts 16, Paul discerned that there was a demonic spirit. Remember the girl was saying, these are men of God. And everyone's like, oh, how cute. She's talking that they're men of God. And Paul discerned it was a demonic spirit giving her the information, a, a spirit of this, uh, divination. It was a demonic spirit of divination giving her information. So Paul was able to discern that. Um, in Acts chapter 8, Peter discerned the motives of Simon the sorcerer. And Matthew 9, Jesus discerned that the man with the mute spirit was demonized everyone's like oh he's just mute and Jesus is like no it's a demon so Jesus distinguished right. that the man had a demon so this will help you guys when you're also praying for the sick now not every right. sickness is demonic but not every um, sickness is natural. So when we're praying for the sick, what I use is the gift of discernment. I say, Lord, help me distinguish. Is this a demonic spirit of infirmity like in Luke chapter 13? Or is this a sickness where I just need to pray healing? So not every sick person needs deliverance and not every demonized person needs healing. But we need to help ask God to help us discern what spirit it is. You might meet somebody and all of a sudden you can discern there's some, there's a there's a bad spirit about them right there's a there's something they're not right like i've met ministers and i could discern there's a spirit of lust or a spirit of envy or a spirit of pride and then a month later 
it's national news that they felled it to lust. It's like, okay, when I met them, I actually discerned that spirit was there. So I didn't want to do partnership or business with them or ministry with them because I discerned there was a wrong spirit. So use that also in ministry, guys, to discern what's what. Don't walk around calling everyone a Jezebel and everyone a spirit of Ahab and everyone has a Leviathan. That's not what it's for, but it's to help us distinguish what spirit is functioning and what people are motivated by. That's right. This is this is an amazing gift because by it you can actually cleanse the pulpits of America mm, come and on. Canada, and you can cleanse the pews, and it really brings a fear of God on people. Um, I'm reminded of a story Lester Summerall said. He was in a prayer meeting once in St. Louis, Missouri, and as they're in this prayer meeting, this lady comes in from the back, grabs the mic from the front of the auditorium, and starts to say, I'm an evangelist from such and such a city. I'm here. The Lord told me. The Lord has spoken to me to begin tonight having uh, revival meetings through the week for the next two weeks. And if you don't, if you don't um, have me do this or whatever, that God would bring judgment on your church. Lester Summerall sitting in the back of the church. He's a young guy at this point. An old like prayer lady, like an intercessory prayer lady. She gets up and by this discerning of spirit, she was able to discern the spirit that was in operation behind this girl that had taken the mic. And says, you're a harlot from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. You're living in this town with a man that's not your husband. And tonight, you spoke to him and said, I, I, you know, I can go on and do my harlotry or whatever and make money, but I found a better way to make money. Let me go and pose as a preacher. And I'll take up offerings every single night. And I can tell you, we'll make two, two times to three times more money than had I just gone and done my regular job. Just trust me with this. Told her pimp that. Wow. And this lady gets up and says, you're a harlot who did that, who had this conversation before coming and discerned that there was a, a, a wrong spirit behind her as she was speaking. She can feel, you know, that when you feel a check in your spirit, Come on. that's oftentimes a discerning yep. of spirit. It's, it's very hard to really describe it. But the best way to say it is there's a check in your spirit. There's a peace that leaves you when someone's speaking. Uh, or a peace that comes on you when someone's speaking, depending on what spirit they're speaking by. Well, the peace left that lady. She got up and said that and said, if you don't leave town tonight, judgment will come on you and you'll die. She literally ran out. She ran out of the church and, and never came back another night. Wow. You see what that did? It, it actually protected that church from hearing from an unclean spirit that was in that lady and protected from, from the people being... Uh, taking advantage of in their offerings and just giving money to who knows who just to do feed her habit or whatever. Um, I love what Howard Carter, how he described this gift. And you pretty much touched on, on, on everything. So I'm just going to read this and I'll pass it over to you. But Howard Carter's definition of the gifts of the spirit, he says, the discerning of spirits is a gift of the Holy Ghost by which the possessor is enabled to see into the spirit world by this insight. He then discerns the similitude of God, the risen Christ, the Holy Ghost, angels, Satan, or his legions of demons. So by the Spirit, it's like we have telescopes that can look into space. We have microscopes that can look into uh, molecular uh, substances and all that. But then this is almost like a scope that the Lord gives you to see into the spirit realm where God, mm. he lifts up the veil, giving you access to see exactly what spirit is behind that person. What spirit, what, you know, what, what's 
controlling that person to say those things? What, what, influence, what is influence that individual? And so it really, it's a gift that helps you in protecting yourself and your children. Because your children are going to bring home from some friends one day. And, you know, if, you have, if you're in tune with God, you'll be able to feel a check in your spirit. No, you're not going to hang out with that person. Because you start, I mean, I can, I can tell you horror story after horror story of kids that brought home bad friends, poor influences, and then they went off, off the tracks. Some of them ended up dying before their time because they were in the wrong crowd. As a Holy Ghost parent, that's, these gifts as a parent are so crucial to raising up your children in the admonition and fear of the Lord. Because you can buy this. No, that person actually is going to get you into this, that, and that. Your kid wow. listens to you. A couple years later, they see that kid you know, go off the maps or do something in jail, whatever, then you're, you're going to see the fear of God going to hit your kid real quick. And so it's going to help your family. So good. So we're going to move into um, the next category, which is communication. And I'll toss over this one first to you. TJ is kinds of tongues. So the first one, the, the three gifts in communication are kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. But the first one we're going to go over is kinds of tongues or speaking in tongues. So the gift of tongues or different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Um, well, we'll deal with the tongues first. That There's two ways you can look at it. So there's the gift of tongues that has to do with a corporate setting. And That's in good. Paul's letters in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, he's talking about tongues in in relation to the church. In a like church meeting when someone comes out and bursts out in tongues. Um, and he says we shouldn't all just be speaking in tongues at once. He's talking about in a church meeting where he says in 1 Corinthians 14, Brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you by revelation, knowledge, or by prophesying, or by teaching? He's saying if I got up on the pulpit, grab the mic, imagine I did yep. this this Sunday at your church, and I just started to speak in tongues for 45 minutes and then said amen. That's not going to help anybody. Nobody's mm. going to be edified. Because tongues has two purposes. Number one is the gift of tongues that you receive at the baptism in the Holy Ghost, where you receive a prayer language for private communication and personal consecration and devotion to God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, yep. he edifies himself. So when you're speaking in tongues in your private prayer life, in your when you're praying to God, you're actually charging yourself up because you're, you're speaking mysteries in your spirit to God. Your mind is unfruitful, but in your spirit, you're actually building yourself up on your most holy faith. Jude verse 20, but you beloved, praying always in the Holy Ghost, build yourself up in your most holy faith. That word build in the Greek is like what we would say charging a battery today. As you're praying in the Holy Ghost, privately, personally, you know, in, in your own prayer time, you're charging your faith up. You're building yourself up. You're creating spiritual stamina for you to keep on running. Isaiah 28 says, this is the refreshing by which I will refresh my people with an unknown tongue and stammering lips. So God prophesies in the Old Testament that there's going to be two gifts, or one specifically that comes in the New Testament that is going to be used to refresh the individual that operates in that gift. So the gift of tongues has a private purpose, but then there is a public purpose, and that's when it's mixed with interpretation. So Paul says you shouldn't go to a church service and just blurt out tongues for half an hour and then sit down and expect people to be blessed. The Bible says, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your, at your speech? You'll be speaking over the air. Unless you speak words easy to understand, how will they know what you're speaking? And he even compares it to the trumpet. He says, unless a trumpet plays 
plays a distinct sound, who's going to prepare for battle? So if you just come out and you start speaking in the tongues of men or angels, people are going to look at you like you're nuts. Like, what's going on? That's not helping anybody but you. However, if in a public setting there is a tongues, a message in tongues that's given, coupled with a mess, uh, an interpretation of that tongue, it actually equals prophecy. Mm. I'm going to tell you why. Tongues plus interpretation of tongues. And... Um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but prophecy, ahead, the purpose of prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. We read that in, we, you can read that in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but who prophesies, he actually edifies the church. Verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 14 says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. For say all those people again. that say, say tongues that is not for the new, you know, that uh, you shouldn't speak in people, tongues in church or whatever. Special. Yeah, exactly. Paul, Paul literally said, that we are to, you should all speak in tongues. He even says, don't forbid speaking in tongues at the end of this, at the end of this broad, uh, at the end of this broadcast, at the end of the chapter. But even more, so verse five, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So the same edification that comes on as a result of a prophecy coming forth can actually be accomplished through tongues and interpretation. So and that's, I, in a very brief manner, the, the distinction between the tongues for private use and then tongues for a public context. I'm so glad you said spirit. that because most people don't realize that and they just say, oh, we shouldn't speak in tongues on the mic or in public when Paul was specifically saying, don't preach a sermon in tongues. And to further just validate your point about the different tongues, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12 where it talks about kinds of tongues and then you look at 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, it says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. So now this is a different tongue because Paul said yeah. one tongue, you're speaking and preaching in tongues and then someone should be there to interpret which they weren't that's why paul was rebuking them now in chapter 14 paul says this is another kind of tongue and this tongue you don't speak to men because the other tongue remember you're speaking to men and then they're interpreting it, it's going to men this tongue speaks to god and no one understands him this tongue has no interpretation however in the spirit he speaks mysteries and this is what we call praying in tongues right where you're praying mysteries to god it's you and god so these are the confusions people have is that they think there's only one type of speaking in tongues when there's not there's that prayer language that you talked about so well that i call it spiritual working out and then there's that preaching in tongues with the interpretation or just speaking it out and someone interprets it so just notice and then some say well we shouldn't speak in tongues paul never said don't speak in tongues he said if you do publicly make sure there's an interpreter now let me say this tj if you're in a prayer meeting because i see guys on tiktok always making fun of these prayer meetings and then i know guys on youtube make fun of this too if you're in a prayer meeting and your pastor's on stage praying and everybody's in the building praying it is okay for him to pray in tongues because he's not yeah. preaching a message you're in a prayer yeah. meeting so in that setting it would be okay now if you have an hour-long sermon in tongues and that's all you have on Sunday morning and no one interprets, that's what Paul's rebuking. So please guys, get off of all these pages where people are mocking the Holy Spirit, because that's what you're doing. When you're speaking against tongues, you're not speaking against man, you're praying, you're speaking against the Holy Spirit. Understand the different context that Paul is discussing. And the same way you tell us charismatic and Pentecostals, don't take it out of context, then stop taking what Paul said out of context, because there's a lot of misconsumption or misconception there when it comes to speaking in tongues. Paul did not say don't speak in tongues. Paul did not say don't speak in public. He said, if you do it from the mic on the stage as a message, make sure there's an interpreter. Otherwise, just stay quiet because no one understands what you're saying. But we do need speaking in tongues. Paul said, I wish all of you did. It's the, it's the will for every believer. Okay, 
Great, 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 TJ. Awesome. Um, the next one is interpretation of tongues. So this is the ability basically to interpret what the Holy Spirit is giving the person to say to the audience or the congregation. So again, this is not to interpret your prayer language. This is to interpret a message. Now I want to draw a line here and say, this is not the gift of translating tongues. This is the gift of interpreting tongues. And the difference is translation is word for word. Okay. So if you translate something, you have to do word for word exactly how it was said. If you interpret something, you're giving the general message or meaning. So you don't have to write this down. You don't have to speak in King James when you're interpreting tongues. Okay. Now you're remember, cause you're not translating. So you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. Um, you don't have to do that because we're not translating. We're interpreting. I've had interpreters. You've had interpreters. And there's times where I'm preaching and there's an interpreter and I'll say a very long sentence and they'll say three words. And I'm like, did you not? But they're like, you don't understand Isaiah. It's not word for word in our language. It, we're just giving the general idea of what you're saying. So when you're interpreting tongues, you don't have to be word for word because what you're doing is giving the general idea of what God is saying. So that's the interpretation of tongues. I've interpreted tongues several times. For me, I get butterflies in my stomach or I feel like God is nudging me or pressuring me. And I feel like, okay, now when I've interpreted tongues before, a message in tongues in a prayer meeting, guys, this is going to help change your life here. God does not give you the full message usually. So in other words, I didn't get the, you know, a three minute sermon. And then all of a sudden I got up and spoke it. God will give me, and usually this is how prophecy works for me as well. And I want to keep saying for me, because again, this is how it works for me. And I think it commonly works for many. God will give me what prophecy and interpreting tongues, one or two words. That's it. And God's like, speak those. And when I speak them, he gives me the next word. And when I speak it, he gives me the next word. And I talk fast, but God also talks fast. So he gives it to me fast as I speak. So when I interpret it, have interpreted tongues in the past, I get that butterfly. I speak out in the prayer meeting. If someone else speaks it and then they wait and then they, I speak out and I interpret the tongue. And then I give one word, God gives the next. I give one word, God gives the next. I give one word, God gives the next. That's how you interpret tongues. Again, it's not translation, it's interpretation. Um, can you pray? Now, here's a question I want to ask you guys. Can you pray to interpret a tongue? Is it biblical to pray, Lord, would you give me an interpretation? Absolutely. First Corinthians chapter 14, verses 12 through 13. Listen to what Paul says, okay? For all those Pharisees in the chat, I just blocked one of them. Just listen to what Paul says. Even so you, since you're zealous for spiritual gifts, so he's writing the church in Corinth, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. And then listen to what Paul says. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret so paul says here's what you should do speak in the tongue and then pray that you could interpret your tongue so it's biblical to pray for an interpretation now here's the next question that i would love to answer how do i know if i have the right interpretation here's how you know because if you ask god for something good he's not going to give you something bad so if you genuinely pray and say lord give me the interpretation he's not going to give you a false interpretation well how do you know that because luke 11 11 says if you ask god for a fish he's not going to give you a serpent so god doesn't give bad things to good people that ask for good things so the way you know if you have the right interpretation is you ask god for the right interpretation and you trust that the lord is going to give you it and then it brings glory to god and i want to just say one more thing tj with everything we're saying tonight, because a lot of you are typing, well, how do I know if the word of knowledge is true? How do I know if the interpretation is right? How do I know if I'm speaking in tongues and it's true? 
it brings glory to Jesus. That's how you know. Is it furthering your walk? Is it furthering his kingdom? Is it bringing glory to him? If that's the case, then you're on the right track. Um, I don't know if you wanted to touch on that. I kind of, I think I, I covered that interpreting, well, you, but that's the, that's the interpretation of tongues. So the last gift for the communication side is the gift of, and then let me say, I'm sorry, let me say one last thing about interpreting tongues. Usually how this functions is if you're in a prayer meeting, someone speaks it out and then they interpret it. So everything goes quiet. This is usual. Have I seen it work? Everyone's praying. Then someone just starts loudly speaking in tongues. The crowd just naturally quiets down. Then the person speaks and then they interpret. Okay. And this just happened recently in a meeting I was in. Um, I think, and I, I don't think, I know, um, let me rephrase this. I know that we need to start doing this more in the body of Christ and right. behind the pulpit. So we need to have more pastors that will speak out in tongues and then interpret it because it's a very powerful thing and it's very underrated and it's underutilized in the church. So Lord, I pray that you'd release that over the body of Christ, that we would speak it and interpret it in Jesus name. Okay. Last one is prophecy and prophecy. We'll, we'll say it very basic is the ability to speak words given by the Holy spirit. That's literally sure. prophecy, okay? So prophecy, I always say it this way, is speaking words from God. So when God gives me words, whether it's future, whether it's present, whether it's past, prophecy is me speaking the words that God has given me in a language known to man, okay? So speaking in tongues is an unknown language. Pro and I love what you said, TJ. It's, it's the same thing when you interpret a tongue and you prophesy. They both edify equally, as Paul said, because prophecy is basically like speaking in tongues or interpreting, but it's the language people understand. So it's just speaking words from God. And I guarantee most of you have prophesied before and didn't even know it. So just that could be encouraging someone. That could be, hey, I really feel like God is saying, you're doing a good job, keep going. Hey, I really feel like God is saying, don't throw in the towel. I know you've been tired, but God is saying, keep going. I mean, I've had people say that's the most powerful word I've ever gotten. And all I said was keep going. I didn't know it was prophecy, but it was God speaking to me to speak to them. And it was a prophetic word and anyone can do this. How do I know? First Corinthians 14, 31 for you all can prophesy one by one that you all may learn and be encouraged. So Paul tells us here, all of you can prophesy right. every single believer, whether you have that gift manifest or not, can actually speak words from God. And it's God's desire that everybody prophesies. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul says, do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecy, but test everything that is said. So don't despise it. Don't tell people not to do it. Just test what's being said. But prophecy is definitely powerful. I don't know if you want to throw in something there and touch on that. Prophecy is a very yeah. powerful gift. I said it before that prophecy is very clearly outlined. The purpose of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, Good. and comfort. So prophecy will bring, number one, edification. What is that? It'll build somebody up. That's why I love this gift, especially as a preacher. And I know you do too. Because when you're preaching, you know, you can preach out of here or you can preach from here. Mm. And when you're preaching by the Spirit and the Spirit has given you, you know, utterance. Paul said it in Ephesians 6, I think Ephesians 6 and 19, that utterance may be given to me by God that I might boldly preach the gospel. When the Holy Ghost gives you this divine inspiration, this utterance to speak words by the Spirit, there is an edification that goes on. Many times it looks like this. I'll be preaching and I'll start saying, you're going to make it. He Come that on. began a good work in you, he's going to complete it. God's not done with you. God's not through with you. God's just getting started. The Lord's, you know, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, mm. what has never entered the heart of man, those things God has prepared for you. There's, there's more for you than there is against you. God's on your side. If the Lord's your helper, what can man do to you? When you start speaking by the inspiration of the Spirit, it 
It changes a person. Somebody can come in wearied down, feeling like giving up, throwing in the towel, ready to commit suicide. This gift will supernaturally lift them up. You know, Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 37, he prophesied as he was commanded. And what did it do? It brought dead bones back to life again. This gift of prophecy can bring dead things back to life again. It can inspire faith. It can give you the strength to keep on keeping on so that you can lay hold onto that which Christ Jesus died for you to have. That I, I love this because it, you know, the Bible says we're to fight the good fight of faith. And it, it's, it's nice to say that, you know, we don't need anybody. We can keep ourselves encouraged, but there comes a point where you need encouragement. And the devil anoints people to do the opposite of prophecy, which is to discourage people. Wow. And I'm sure you know plenty of people like that, but then God anoints people to do to, the, to encourage, to be anointed encouragers. You know, like Barnabas, his name was son of encouragement. He was like a, a Holy Ghost encourager everywhere he went. He was just lifting people up. When they had to give, he sold property, encouraged the church by doing that, by laying the proceeds at the apostles' feet. So this gift is going to first and foremost edify you. You can know that God's not speaking if you're being broken down. You can know God's not speaking if it's causing chaos in your mind. You can know God's not speaking if it's causing you to get depressed and downcast. David said, why so downcast? Oh, my soul. You know, some of you have to learn how to self-prophesy. Some of you have to learn to prophesy to your own self and say, why so downcast, oh, my soul? By faith. You know, the Bible says in Romans 12, prophesy in proportion to your faith. You can actually, like David did in the Old Testament, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He started, I'm sure he started to read Psalm, or maybe that's when he read, wrote it. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is on my side. The war encamps against me. Though my enemies arise against me, they will stumble and they will fall. For the Lord keeps me in his pavilion. He guards me from the plots of men. I'm going to make it to the other side. Oh, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. You start to speak like that, man, you can prophesy over your own life and you'll see you'll be supernaturally charged to, to not only tackle the day, to kick the devil's face in everywhere you see him. So number one, edification. Number two, exhortation. What's to exhort? means to like to lead, to guide, to speak a word of, of direction or correction. To Exhortation is wonderful. It can get you out of a lot of jams. And then uh, exhortation, edification, and comfort. Prophecy brings comfort. You know, someone just lost a loved one or whatever. A word, one word of prophecy, you know, like we've been saying all night. One, one word by the Holy Ghost could outdo 10,000 words of men. Like he said tonight, he, he told a, a lady, just told, what did you say again? Keep on going on or something? Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. The, but it was by Two the words. Spirit. Man. Two words, can, bro. Longest prophecy ever. Can you imagine that? Two words. And it changed the course of a woman's life. Life is much easier when you do it by the Spirit. So good. I want to add this prophecy and religious people are going to hate this. So I'm just going to warn you guys, if you're religious, just cover your ears and then come back on. Prophecy <laughs> is not always spontaneous. Okay. So a lot of times we wait around for the gifts to flow, but we don't understand we can activate these first Corinthians 1432, write this down. It says this, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take right. turns. So like we'll prophesy at the end of the broadcast or we'll prophesy people and people say, you can't prophesy on demand. Mm, let's go back to first, first Corinthians 14, 32. Yeah. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. So yes, 
prophecy is a gift one translation says the gift of prophecy is subject to the prophet so when you're prophesying speaking words from god you can definitely activate it by faith like the other gifts it's a very very powerful gift okay we're at the tail end here and then we're going to pray for you guys i know it's getting late we're about an hour and a half in um we're very ambitious tj for taking on nine gifts in one broadcast but the, <laughs> is what we do the last category i want to call the power gifts and this is going to be and i'll toss the first one over to you this is going to be the gift of faith the gift of healings and the gift of miracles. Now these all are very, very closely knitted together. So it won't take us long to go over all of them, but the first gift in this category, which would be what? The seventh gift we're going over tonight is the gift of faith. And bro, you have that gift. Talk about the gift of faith. What is this different than just having faith? So the gift of faith is not the same as saving faith. Mm. So there's generic faith. God's a faith God. People are created to believe. Everybody has faith in something. You have faith to sit in that chair. That's generic faith. People have faith to get on an airplane, driven and piloted by someone they've never met, that they haven't conducted a psycho, uh, a psycho treat, uh, a psycho treatment, a, uh, a psychology test on them. You've never interviewed him yet. You're trusting wow. him with your very life when you got on that plane. That's generic faith. You get into a car, believing you're going to make it to the other destination and your wheels aren't just going to fall off. That's generic faith. Then there's saving faith. Saving faith is Ephesians 2.8 says, by grace through faith, ye are saved. When you got saved, that was a gift of God that got put in your heart so that you can believe in the gospel. God opened up your eyes. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. That's what Jesus told Peter. But then, and then there's the measure of faith that comes after you're saved. God deposits a measure of faith in every single Christian, every Christian. So don't ever say, I don't have faith. You have faith. You just have to learn how to use it. You can grow that faith. Every Christian has a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3. Uh, you, you have the ability and the responsibility, I'd add, to build that faith. But the gift of faith, the gift of special faith, I would add, is a supernatural endowment of the God level, God kind of faith that comes mm. on you suddenly and it infuses you with perfect faith. So you could be at a measure of faith that's not at perfect faith, but all of a sudden when this gift comes on you, it's like the faith of God overrides your own faith and you're operating at the highest level of faith. And this gift comes on people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament at two specific times. Oftentimes it was in times of peril, immediate disaster, immediate wow, danger, that's such good. as in the days of Daniel, he was thrown into the lion's den. Now, the difference between the, the gift of faith and the working of miracles is that the gift of faith is passive, whereas the working of miracles, you have to do something. The gift of faith receives, whereas the working of miracles, you work the miracle. So like Samson had to work the miracle, he had to take up the jawbone of a donkey and supernaturally, it's a miraculous thing that he did. He defeated a thousand Philistines, but he had to do something. Whereas Daniel didn't have to, he didn't have to fight the lions. He didn't have to go to war with the lions. He actually slept that night and the Lord sent an angel. And when Darius, the king cried out, Daniel, has your God whom you serve been able to save you? Daniel replied, my God whom I serve has sent his angel to shut the mouths of lions because I believed in my God. So that faith was supernatural and it was sudden. Daniel didn't have to work it up. It just came on him. Jesus had it while he was in the storm. He was asleep in the stern while there was a massive storm going on around him and the disciples were panicking, running helter and skelter like a chicken without their heads. 
and they were worrying about not making it to the other side, they come and see Jesus sleeping in the stern because he operated by that gift of faith. In a time where everybody else should be losing their minds, this guy's got perfect wow. serenity, perfect peace, perfect calmness. The gift of faith will impart to you a supernatural joy and a supernatural peace. When everybody's looking at you, waiting for you either to fail or to have a mental breakdown, you're, those things don't happen. They're just expecting and waiting in vain because there's a faith that's come alive in you that that has taken command over the situation um this gift of faith is will supernaturally achieve what is impossible through human efforts but it's what re, it's a receiving mm. thing like i said the working of miracles you're working the miracle whereas the gift of faith you're just receiving the miracle i'll, I'll give you another distinction moses and the israelites are at the red sea he cries out to God, God, what are we to do here? The Lord says, take that rod with which I told you to do signs and wonders, and I want you to wave it over the sea. When he did that, the sea split left and right. When the, that was the working of miracles. He worked that miracle. But when the Israelites went through the sea, they went by the gift of faith. Because they wow. had to believe God for supernatural protection, that those waves weren't just going to come crashing down and collapse on them and kill the entire nation. So you see the working of miracles and the gift of faith working hand in hand. And a lot of times these gifts do operate like links on a chain. You'll, you'll see one tie into another and they all they, there's like this convergence of these gifts and they operate together very fluidly. So number one is by divine protection. Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. They, you know, they said, our God whom we serve, he's able and he will deliver us. Even if he doesn't, that wasn't a confession of doubt. That wasn't what well, we don't know, really know if he will. He, they were just, that was actually a confession of love. They were saying, we know our God is going to do it. And he's well able and he's willing to do it. But I want you to know, even if he didn't, we know he's going mm. to. That wasn't, they were double-minded. They were just saying, I want you to know, Nebuchadnezzar, even if he wouldn't do it, we still wouldn't bow because our allegiance is in is with heaven our allegiance is with god and when they got cast into the burning fiery furnace the only thing that burnt off them was the ropes that bound them and the fourth man see the gift of faith attracts god doesn't attract an angel doesn't attract an archangel or even a cherubim it attracts god himself to bear on your situation and bring a supernatural change i pray as this as we speak on this gift man i feel it by divine unction that this gift would begin to to operate more and more in your life supernaturally that it would provoke and invoke the powerful hand of God to change things on a practical level for you so number one divine protection and number two the gift of faith operates strongly for divine provision Elijah proclaims a, a drought over all of the land and then the Lord speaks to him and says go by the brook of Sherith I've, I've commanded ravens to provide for you there it took faith for three years or however long he was there, for him to believe God that not, you know, a nice waiter was going to bring food for him. Ravens were dropping food at his doorstep every day, morning and night, meat and bread. Come on. That took the gift of faith. And the gift of faith can come on you for a season until there's the fulfillment of the promise. So, so good. the gift of faith, like it's not just always on you, but there could be a time where from the moment God drops this gift in you and to the, the fulfillment of the promise, there could, you know, however time, however much time can eclipse between the two points, but that gift can actually sustain you through that time to believe God for supernatural protection, supernatural provision, and, uh, and intervention on God's behalf. So good. And I would say too, if you want to know, like, have I ever had the gift of faith? If you can look back on a situation and think, 
how did I believe God for that? And God came through or it happened. That's usually the gift of faith. Or sometimes I'll be in the middle of a situation. I'm like, I cannot believe I I'm believing for this. Like it's so outside the realm of natural. That's the gift of faith. It's God's faith coming on you. It's a supernatural empowerment. Okay. I'll take the next one. And then I'm going to give you the last one, which is working of miracles. So the next one, which is the eighth gift we're talking about tonight is the gift of healings. Now I want to, I want to just say the difference between the gift of healings. It's not healing. It's, it's plural healings is difference yeah. from miracles because healing speaks to the natural body. And this could usually be when it comes to healings is something gradual. So this is injury this is disease but it usually always relates to the body like if you have someone that doesn't have a body part like i have an aunt who had no eardrum like born with no eardrum now she has an eardrum that wasn't a healing that was actually a creative miracle a healing is a process so whether you're being healed emotionally whether you're being healed in your body if you look at the lepers jesus said go to the temple and the bible says they weren't instantly healed as they went they were healed. So as they walked out their word, there was a process of healing. I've had people in our meetings, we prayed for healing over them, nothing happened. They say in the middle of the night, I woke up and I was better. Or I woke up this morning, I was better. That was a healing that was taking place. So healing speaks of restoring, miracles speak of instant. And then also I've seen people with the gift of healing for certain areas. So it's like every person they pray for, whether it's the back, whether it's the ear, the eye, for some reason, I've seen certain people with certain gifts of healings for certain body parts. Um, if you look at the man in Luke five, he was lowered to Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus was teaching and the power was present to heal. So sometimes there are moments or gatherings where the power of God is present to heal people in a special way. And we need to step into that. But I want you to think of healings as physical body, physical body. Also, of course, it could be emotional emotional, mental, but it has to do with the person and the body more than just other things. So healings is physical, supernatural healings. And then let's talk about, go ahead, we'll close it out, TJ, with working of miracles, the gift of miracles. Yeah, so the working of miracles is what it says. It's a working of miracles. It is not the waiting for miracles. Come on. A lot of people are folding their hands, waiting for God to do something. But as I said before, Moses gets to the Red Sea and he's complaining to God saying, Lord, what are we to do now? And the Lord said, why are you crying out to me? You can go read it in Exodus. Why are you crying out to me? I already gave you that rod by which you can do signs and wonders. Use it now. So a lot of people are crying out to God to do something about the situation. But remember, God is a covenant God. Everything in this book is based on covenant. Covenant isn't uh, sit back and relax, wait on God, he'll do everything. You know, even the word wait on God in the Bible isn't a passive waiting. It's not you sitting with your arms folded waiting for something to happen. That word wait on God, Isaiah uh, 43, I believe it is, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It actually has more to do with you waiting on God like a servant at a restaurant, like a waiter wow. at a restaurant where you're actively doing something. You're serving God's purposes and God's kingdom. And as such, he'll renew your strength. When Moses waved his rod over the sea, then it split. Jesus told the men in John chapter 2, the very first miracle he did, he told the people, fill the water pots with water. They didn't need water. They needed wine. But they mm. obeyed God's instruction. And in so doing, it provoked their own miracle. It, it brought their own miracle. It changed the water into wine. Jesus actually didn't do anything. They worked their own miracle. He just gave them an instruction. So this book called the Bible is actually comprised of two covenants, old covenant and new covenant. And a covenant is a contract between two or more parties that has well-defined terms that when one party 
party fulfills the obligations on their end, when they agree to the terms and wow. conditions, then the other party says, well, then I'll now install my blessing. When you download something on your computer, you have to agree to the terms and conditions. Until you do that, that little install button stays like gray. But when you click it, it then goes blue and you can install the software. God will not install his power in wow. your life until you have fulfilled the terms and conditions of the covenant. If you just expect the water to turn to wine and you haven't even filled the water pots with water, you're never going to see a miracle happen. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the, the gate. Uh, to the hour of prayer. They pass by the gate called beautiful. A man is there who's been lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. What did he say? Well, let's just keep him in prayer, Father. We just pray that you'd keep him in peace. And we know that there's worse things to lose than the, his legs and mobility and better things to gain. We just pray that he receives Christ one day. He didn't do that. They went and saw him there and said, silver and gold have we not, but such Come as on. we do have. You know what that means? Oh, hallelujah. I feel this. Come on. You have to acknowledge that there's miracle working power on the inside of you. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who's able to do far more abundantly all that you can ask or think or imagine. How? According to the power that is at work, not in heaven, that power is at work in me. You'll never operate in these gifts of the Spirit until you come to the realization that Christianity is not you subscribing to a list of do's and do's come do on. nots. Christianity, John G. Lake said it perfectly, Christianity is the life force of God working and flowing through human ordinary vessels, empowering them to do extraordinary things. So when you understand, I might not have money to help that person, but such as I do have, you have to realize I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost dwells in me. It's not some lesser spirit. It's the same spirit Come that on. raised Christ Jesus from the dead that lives and abides in me. Paul told the Corinthians, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You might look at yourself in the mirror after you got saved and you might look the same as before you got saved, but on the inside, if you would see not what you carry, who you carry, that you are the, the, the residential address of the Holy Spirit on planet earth. You aren't gonna walk around like a beggar on this earth feeling like you're helpless and hopeless. You're gonna, your face, your countenance gonna change because to be someone who looks like they can help people around them. I'm sorry, but I'm re I refuse to be a, 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 a prayer project for people. I refuse to always be keeping people in prayer. We'll keep you in prayer. We'll keep you in prayer. God didn't call you to just keep people in prayer. He said, you go out now and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You go and work the miracles that I've called you to work. As you do that, yeah, that's when you start seeing this, the miraculous take place. I'm reminded of a testimony. There was a man of God preaching at a crusade. And uh, the guy in the first row had his neck sunk into his like shoulder. He was missing two or three vertebrae. And the man of God heard from the Lord to go in and grab the guy and lift his head up. Now, in the natural, that sounds crazy because you're going to get a lawsuit if this doesn't work. But faith is it. All these gifts are faith activated. Faith, like you said, I love what you said before. Faith is the switch that turns these gifts on and mm. off. 
So he went, stepped out in faith. He didn't feel anointed. If you're waiting for yourself to feel on, anointed before it. you start to step out, you're never going to do anything for God. I'm not waiting till I feel anointed. I is anointed. Whether I look anointed or not, whether I feel anointed or not, you think some Sunday mornings when I go and preach at churches Come and on, the service is it. at 8 a.m. that I wake up feeling like I, I, I'm, I'm Samson. Come I can on. run and you know just by the hand of the Lord, run through a troop and leap over a wall. Absolutely not. But you know what I do? I look at myself in the mirror and I say, God lives in that man. Where that man goes, God goes. What I say, I'm doing by the power. It's not by might. It's not by strength. It's by the spirit of the living God. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. So he grabbed the guy's neck and he lifted up. When he did, he felt two vertebrae grow behind his neck. And him as a faith preacher said, I, I was wowed. And I stepped back and I said, whoa. And he, he couldn't believe what just happened. That guy's neck, the wife gasped in the audience who was standing right next to him. And she said, the reason why I gasped was because the doctors, they had set his neck in such a way that if there was even a moderate movement beyond what they had set it, the guy risked dying on the spot. Wow. So when he grabbed the guy's neck and it, it grew back and the vertebrae grew back and he felt it. It, it changed everything. Now, the crazy thing about this, and this is the real purpose for all the gifts. There was a little uh, lady, a little girl, she was like seven years old, sitting in the second row. And just like any child, when you see like, you know, you see a guy with like a massive mole on their head or whatever, a growth on their neck or anything, at six, seven years old, you're not polite enough not to stare. So for the entire sermon, she was like staring at this guy because his neck was like sunken in. When she saw that happen, she was weeping. So the man of God said, little girl, do you want to feel what a miracle feels like? She had been invited. She had never been to church before. Uh, they, they were from another faith. She comes up and uh, he grabs her hand and puts it on the guy's neck. The moment that she touched the guy's neck, she fell under the power of God and began to speak with other tongues. Her wow. father, who had brought the little girl to the meeting, who was all, uh, from another faith, when he saw that, he freaked out because the kid just fell. So he reached to grab her. The, well, the moment, <laughs> the way you stop electricity and live wire is not by putting your hand on live wire. He grabbed the, the kid who was electrified by the spirit. The moment he did that, the same electricity ran through him. He started to shake under the spirit and he spoke in other tongues. People say, well, how could that happen theologically? Well, I don't know. Somewhere between them seeing the Come miracle, they, Jesus came into their heart. They received the baptism in the Holy Ghost and all at once. And that miracle, that one miracle, that guy's head coming, brought that fam, those two to the Lord. And then the next night and the next few nights, they filled up three to four or five rows of people from the family that he had brought and like coerced, literally like chloroform and duct tape, some of them coerced to come to church to hear this because he didn't have an exposure to a message. You know, you can argue a man's argument, but you can't argue an experience like that. Come you on. can debate somebody's theory and somebody's theology, but once you start seeing these mighty works at... Uh, at work, it's impossible to leave that place scratching your head and saying, well, I don't know if I believe that. No, these this beginning of signs did Jesus at Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory unto his disciples. So good. That's the purpose of these gifts. It's PJ, to bring that, people. It's to show people that's that our God is not an idol. He is on. the maker of heaven and earth. 
TJ, he pray, is the pray one us out. Who, this is you're on a roll, bro. Don't don't even turn it back to me. Just pray it. Pray that God would activate, release these gifts. People are in the chat like, please pray for me, please pray for me. So let's just pray, pray us out that God would empower us, release these gifts. Those of you that are hungry, including myself, I just want you to put your hands out, put your hands up, and ask the Lord. Just receive the Holy Spirit tonight. Many of you are going to get baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, and ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I desire the gifts. I want to use the gifts, and we're just going to pray the Holy Spirit pour out His gifts, pour out boldness, and just release you into this. Go for it, TJ. You're on fire, Absolutely. bro. Absolutely. Well, first of all, you need to have a posture to receive tonight. You have to say to yourself right now, Lord, I'm hungry for yes. this. I I'm through with just living a, a regular mundane Christian life. I'm through with just making it a country club. Some Sunday networking se uh, session that I have just to go and see my friends. I want to be used by God. I want to make an indelible mark on my generation. I want to be a, a minister of your resurrection power here on the earth. Because that's what these gifts are. It's God's resurrection life flowing through you. I, I don't want to just tell people, you know, everything's going to be all right. I want to be used by God to connect them to your power, to God's power, so that they're never the same again. And God will use you. If you have a heart to say, Lord, use me. Lord, I, 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 I'm hungry for these spiritual gifts. I, I desire to see the operation of the working of miracles and gifts of healing. Because I don't want to just, the gospel is not a, an oral presentation. The gospel's a show and tell. We're not just Come to on. tell the people Jesus is alive. These gifts allow us to show the people our God is the only God. He is the living one who was dead. But behold, he lives and lives forevermore. And the proof of that, Jesus said, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works that you see me do. If Jesus had to say that as the anointed Christ, the son of God, we'd be foolish to say we can, we can just do programs or a knitting program. That's going to bring in more people than anything. You'd be foolish to think flashing lights. Reinhard Bonnke used to say, the less of the power of God you have in manifestation, the more cake and coffee you're going to have to sell. I, I don't want to run the budget on cake and coffee. You find out if you drop people in with carnal measures, you'll have to keep them with carnal mm. ways. But if you drop people in by the Spirit, man, it, it, it'll be impossible for the devil to take him back into his camp. So I want you wherever you're at, just lift your hands, and I'm going to pray for you that there would be a deposit of hunger and zeal for these spiritual gifts to begin to operate in your life. And I will add one more thing. If you want to operate in a gift, a good thing to do is not only to study the gifts and operation under the old covenant and the new covenant, but find people on the earth that operate in these gifts and sit under their ministry. To operate under a gift, you need to sit under a gift. I locate people that operate in the word of knowledge. I watch them. I watch how they do it. I watch, you know, I, I just watch how, how they look. Oral Roberts watching him minister the gifts of healing to people and how he did it and, and how he explained how it came on him. You start to locate their secrets and you start to discover that um, God's actually been speaking to you a long time to do the same things and you didn't know you didn't you hadn't activated that because you didn't know let me pray father in the name of Jesus first and foremost I pray for anyone that's here watching online right now and those on the replay that need a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost that maybe have grown weary and, and, and lukewarm and maybe this is the first broadcast they've been on in a long time and they've let the fire go out. I ask you, Father, your word in Leviticus was let the fire never go out, that the priest should never let the fire go out. I ask you by your grace and mercy 
Let a fresh fire come alive in them, in their spirits. Kindle the coals of fire in their very core, in their being. Lord, rekindle that first love. Rekindle that first hunger. Lord, that hunger that wanted them to, that, that drove them to see souls saved, that drove them to be bold in the face of opposition, that they didn't care what other people said about them. They were bold to speak on your behalf. I pray first and foremost, let that first love be rekindled. And secondly, as it does, as they step out in faith, from tonight, I ask you, Lord, whatever gift is necessary for whatever problem they're facing or whatever person that they might come in contact with that has a specific problem or a dilemma, Lord, that those gifts, as they've learned about it tonight and seen their function, that they would be reminded we're not to do religion or we're not to operate by our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit and that these gifts would kickstart in their lives to do things supernaturally in others. I ask you, Father, let them be vessels of honorable use in Jesus' mighty name. We know it's not by might or by strength, but by your spirit. Lord, that the gift of faith would come on people tonight that are believing for, for something supernatural. People that might be backed up in a, in a corner, not knowing the way out. Father, I ask you for that marvelous gift of faith to come on them, to do like Paul did in Acts 27, to rise up and say, I know that it shall be exactly as I've been told. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, raise up people like you said you would in Acts chapter 2, that in the last days, that sons and daughters would prophesy. I ask you, Father, raise up people that will prophesy under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to change the, the, the courses of people's destinies around them, to be anointed encouragers in the land. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Man, God is moving. I feel the power of God. I hope you guys were challenged tonight. We've been live for almost two hours. TJ, thank you, bro, for just pouring out for two hours. I want to challenge you guys also to sow and to give. Don't dine and dash. The links to give are in the comments and description. I have TJ's channel down below. TJ, where else can they find you? What's going on? Is there anything else you wanted to lead people to? Absolutely. Well, our YouTube channel, I definitely subscribe to subscribe. that. Subscribe. Yes, please subscribe. My goal is to hit 10,000 by the end of the year. So I, I pray that we'll have a, a huge jump uh, from this broadcast. So do, do subscribe to that. Uh, we, we stream every Tuesday and every Thursday, 1 p.m. And I've also been doing weekly uploads, one or two extra uploads a week that is exclusive content to YouTube. If you're on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter, you can follow me there at TJ Malkanji. If you're on Facebook, you can like our Facebook page there and uh, put on notifications for when we do go live. Also, uh, you can visit our website, salvationnow.ca, and there's a calendar there. I will be in Toronto, November 19, 20, and 21. So if you're in the area, I'd love for you to join me there, November 19, 2021, 20, at Faithful Remnant Church. It's going to be a powerful time. Listen, to, all of you that there. keep saying, when are you going to come to Canada and you yell at me about coming to Canada, go to TJ's meeting. It's the same spirit, same DNA. We're cut from mm -hmm. the same cloth. Get to these gatherings in Canada. Listen, I'm holding down America. He's holding down Canada right now, and we're just whooping the devil's butt in both continents. So make sure that you get to these meetings, these gatherings. Make sure, please, everybody subscribes. We're not done yet, by the way, guys, but make sure everybody that's on, there's 3,100 of you on right now. Thir actually, 3,040. Get on this, please. Subscribe, join, be a part, get fed. It's going to help you. TJ, thanks so much, bro, for being on. I'll text you right after. Thank you, bro. I love you and appreciate Thank you, Thank you for man. having me. I, I love you. I really do. We'll have you on soon again. Thanks, bro. Bless Take care. Guys, what an amazing time tonight. The power of God has been so strong. Again, we have been live for two hours. I want to challenge you guys to sow into this ministry, sow into the broadcast. I'm going to sow into TJ. 
Regardless, I say it every time, whether you guys give or not, maybe you're like, oh, I can't afford to give. That's okay. We still love you. We still appreciate you. Oh, wait, what just happened? There it goes. Um, but please, 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 sow into what God is doing. I'm going to sow into TJ tonight, so you don't need to put, this is for TJ, because I'm going to be giving him more than you guys are going to be bringing in. So please, 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 sow into what God is doing. It really does help us out tremendously. I can't say it enough. Let me just adjust my camera here. I can't say it enough how much it's helping us and helps the ministry. So go ahead, guys. The links to give are there. If you're new, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read through all the donations. So all of you giving, if you have a prayer request, I'm not going to read it out loud, but all of you that are giving, I'm going to go ahead and read the donations. Hang out in the chat here for just a bit. We have been live for five minutes short of two hours, so I won't be on super, super long tonight, but I'm going to be on here for a bit. Let me just change up. Let's see. What do we want here? We could do that. We could do that. Let me just get the lights changed here. Let's do that one. I like that green one. That one's cool. All right, guys, so go ahead, go ahead, go ahead while that loads and go ahead and start giving. Again, we do appreciate it. There's TJ's website. Thank you, Alexandria. We appreciate you. Thank you to everyone that's typing stuff in the chat and giving and sewing. You guys are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, let me turn this. Why is that so turned like that? Okay, there we go. All right, guys, let me start reading these donations here. I've been live, guys, for three hours today. I was live with John Ramirez for an hour with his partner's call. I've been live here for two hours. So again, I'm not going to stay. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.